Hi, I'm Mark Haywood, and this is Behind the Spine, a podcast which finds learning opportunities for writers in the most unlikely of places. He discovered a patent for a flying saucer, which was filed by National Rail in 1973 and became really, really, really fascinated by it. For those of you who've been lucky enough to turn your passion for creativity into a career, you'll know that there's a sting in that tale. Churning out content to pay the bills doesn't always offer room for innovation. The daily grind has a habit of stifling creativity, and often it's a transition you won't even realise is happening. That's why, as artists, creatives, writers and storytellers, we need spaces that remind us of what's possible, of the positive impact our ideas can have if we give them a chance to breathe. This is a major goal of Watershed, the southwest of England's leading film, culture and digital media centre. Victoria Tillotson is Watershed's talent development lead and is particularly interested in the power of creatives to make a real difference in this world. Victoria supports artist development within Watershed's pervasive media studio and also works on the organisation's magazine, Rife, which gives a mainstream platform to the voices of under-24s. The goal is to create opportunities to promote new ideas and experiences, to advance education, skills and appreciation of the arts, particularly focusing on film, media and digital technologies. Given the similarities to our aims and objectives here on Behind the Spine, you can see why I'm delighted to have Victoria as my guest today. Chapter 1 time to play. I've been fortunate enough many times to work with actors during research and development sessions where they've been given the chance to take a couple of days out to really play with and work on a story, to experiment in a safe environment where there are no wrong answers, and the results have been phenomenal. Often when a creator is given the chance to step back from it all, they'll achieve what they thought was impossible. Their ideas will become richer and more ambitious. Victoria says that's what Watershed's residency programme is all about. So at Watershed, uh, we run an annual residency programme. We recruit for the programme through an open call, and that's really important to us, that the opportunity is kind of out there and accessible to anyone and everybody. The focus of our residencies centres around supporting creative practitioners who are working at the sort of intersection of arts and creative technologies. So sometimes we might have a thematic around the residency. So last year we really wanted to look at um, like climate change and sustainability. So we were specifically looking for projects that focus on those kind of areas. But often, like this year, we just have an open call. So we put it out there, are you an artist? Are you interested in working with arts and technology? Do you want to come and spend some time at Watershed, at Pervasive Media Studio, and gain some kind of financial, critical, technical support from us and our amazing community of residents at Pervasive Media Studio to develop an idea that you've got? 
So often we're looking for kind of seeds of ideas. The residency programme really focuses on supporting people to get an idea off the ground. So it doesn't have to be something that's kind of very well developed. And what we offer is like time, space, resource to think, to imagine, to reflect, to test things out, to try stuff, to experiment, to get feedback on those ideas. And because we have this kind of amazing community of people, artists, designers, technologists, scientists, all sorts of different people, you get reflections back on your idea from a like vast array of perspectives, which can really make you think about your idea in a different light um, and maybe take you down paths or see things in a way that you might not have seen it had you not been on the residency programme. And for many people, this incubator is what it is what it sounds like. This incubator experience might be the first time that they've been on the receiving end of that level of coordination and collaboration because artists tend to be fairly solitary people at times and it can be a very new you know and daunting experience being put into this particular environment I'm guessing you've had a huge amount of personal pride in the success stories because everybody is personally invested in just making a project be as good as it can possibly be and and the basis that nobody has a monopoly on good ideas. It must be fantastic when you see potentially a young artist grow and blossom and become something that perhaps they hadn't even thought they could be through this program. Can you can you see people growing in terms of their professional development under this residency program? Absolutely. And I also don't think you necessarily have to be young to go through that sort of growing process. I think that can happen with practitioners at any stage in their career. And we like purposefully try to work with people across the spectrum so that the opportunities are open to everybody to kind of come in and go through that with us. I think one of the really strong things about the residency programme, it's structured, but it's flexible. So, you know, it happens over a certain time frame. There is kind of one-to-one meetings. There's work-in-progress chats with the community here. So there's kind of a a framework for it. But within that, there's loads of space to think, to imagine, to test, experiment, to try things out. So it really gives a, a platform for that kind of growth to happen. Could you give us a sense, Victoria, of the size and scale of the program? How long has it been running and and how many people do you put through the program each year? The residency program has been running since the Pervasive Media Studio opened its doors in 2008. And prior to that, Watershed always ran kind of residency programs in our main building and in like various rooms and things that we had. So it's always been an integral part of what we do because giving artists space to play and think and imagine is really core to, to our values as an organisation. Chapter two, infinite potential. A fundamental part of Watershed's programme is finding innovation at the intersection of arts and creative technology. This got me thinking about a conversation we had in series two of the podcast with Guy Gadney, founder of Charisma.ai, who use artificial intelligence to tell immersive stories. If you cast the audience inside the story, that's the bit where magic happens, where, where you have to think about who the audience member actually is. 
when you go into a charisma story, the way that you interact with the characters is via natural language. So you talk to them rather than pressing buttons to go left and right. You talk to them as I'm talking to you now and the characters talk back to you. And what you say to those characters influences the story. When you then start to think about how you tell a story like that, yes, it is. It's creatively really challenging, but I love that. This project is a window into the possibilities of creativity in the era of technology and is exactly the sort of innovation that would be at home within Watershed's programme. I mean, there's all sorts of projects and ideas happening. Last year, for example, I mentioned that our residency programme had a focus on climate and sustainability. So we had Katie Connor, who's a visual artist based in Bristol through that year. And she um, was really interested in the potential of hydroponic plant growing and where that kind of can cross over with poetry. So hydroponics is the kind of growing of organic plant materials within a chemical solution rather than soil. So she was really interested in what you could do with that as a medium to really engage people with conversations about the future, thinking about soil degradation, people not having access to green space, how you can create kind of mini allotments in your own kitchen on the windowsills and where the poetic, the connection of that with the, with the real world. So she was really interested in linking the sort of feeding regime of the plants with the natural cycles of kind of the sun and the moon and the tides so that, that it really felt like this kind of very chemical-based thing could be linked to the natural world. This year, we've got um, Shruk El Attar on the programme as well. Shruk is an artist. She's also an engineer. She's a refugee from Egypt and an LGBT campaigner also. One of the things that she's doing in the residency is kind of bringing all of that together. Um, she's creating a, a belly dancing robot, which she's interested in doing a kind of duet with as a sort of theatre performance, which she's developing. And she's got a team of 12 people together to create this. So, I mean, her work is amazing. And then Alistair Gentry, his work is, it's really looking at hopeful visions of the future. He discovered a patent for a flying saucer, which was filed by National Rail in 1973 and became really, really, yeah, really fascinated by it. Wow. And he was really interested in the kind of optimism of that time with, you know, what the future of technology could look like. Um, there was so much stuff around about clean energy, like a disco future, everybody kind of living alongside each other. So his work is really looking at, you know, how that's very different to the future that we're actually living in now. Because a lot of that stuff was looking forward to the kind of 2022, 2025. So the sort of years that we're now inhabiting. Um, so he's really looking at that com comparison and actually, you know, what can we learn from that time and how can we look at the future with more hope and optimism and a sense of kind of working together rather than the kind of very fractured societies that we're looking at at the moment. One of our very early residencies was with a playwright called Sharon Clark. She was really interested in thinking about how she could bring her 
ideas and visions for stories that she had in her mind together with kind of theater and technology to create some immersive experiences um, for audiences so she did a residency with us where she collaborated with the technologist it was the first time she'd worked with the technologist and we kind of paired them up to go on the residency together his name was tom burton and they kind of developed this idea for a show called The Stick House. So Sharon really worked on the story and the writing of that. And Tom worked alongside her thinking about actually how those stories could sort of translate into a kind of theatre setting that used technology in a really interesting way to engage audiences. Um, they really developed the kind of nugget of an idea then in 2015, they, they actually made the show, which was amazing. And then Sharon founded the company Raucous, which has gone on to do like amazing immersive tech shows, you know, with her writing at the heart of that, which, you know, she really got off the ground through being part of the pervasive media studio community and having that kind of risk-free time in the beginning to to experiment and really think and really look at how she could translate her practice and bring it together with other sectors. Another, we had an amazing residency, which was a new talent residency, which was specifically looking at, to support people who were just starting out. So we had this brilliant practitioner on, on the residency called um, Samantha Payne. She had an idea for creating... 3D printable bionic limbs for people that they would kind of open source the blueprints for so that people would be able to kind of print their own prosthetic limbs. She has gone on to found a company called Open Bionics, which is absolutely amazing. Like they do such amazing work. And a few years down the line, she flew out and met with Walt Disney and gained a license to use the Disney characters as part of the arm. So now she's like turning kids into superheroes, you know, so um, they can have like a prosthetic arm, which, you know, might be a Marvel character like Iron Man, you know, someone like that. So, yeah, I mean, it's really amazing work that's actually life-changing for people in society. That's truly amazing. I mean, I, I was blown away when emojis became available in different colors so for many many years you know a thumbs up or a fist bump was only ever available for a white thumb and a white fist and now it's fascinating when you're on the receiving end of a black one or a brown one or you know a slightly different colored one you think well yes because this is about representation and what i'm hearing victoria is that as we get more creative in terms of our solutions that we're trying to find to solve, you know, the world's problems, things like climate change. And as things like technology offer us more creative solutions, that is in a way making us more creative. And that seems to be extending in to the arts. And that seems to be what you're suggesting is that the very fact we have become in search of more creativity because we've got problems we need to solve has made us more creative full stop. That's really, really interesting. Is that what you're sensing when you work with these artists? I think it's not necessarily always problems to solve, but kind of taking a look at the world around us through a different lens and inviting other people to look at the world through the lens that that artist sees it. 
you know, so that could be, you know, thinking about what might happen in the future if we had no soil in the world, what difference we can make if we kind of bring together, you know, thinking from the past, you know, like with Alistair Gentry's work, he's really thinking about actually what can we learn from all those experiments and ideas that were happening in the 1970s and how does that transpose onto today and onto our future? Have a look at the world through that lens. What do you think? Some of it is helping to solve a problem, but I think some of it is also helping to people to look and think about things maybe from a slightly different perspective to what might be a more mainstream vision of what our future could be. Chapter three, enablers of creativity. The beauty of storytelling lies in its ability to unshackle knowledge and ideas, to open up the world, to tear down borders and divisions. As Victoria has made clear, Watershed is looking for a route to a brighter future. And for that to happen, our current way of thinking and collaborating needs to be disrupted. To be truly impactful, we need to bring together the voices and perspectives of people around the world. Study after study has shown that diversity makes things better. A 2015 report by McKinsey, for example, found that racially diverse teams reported a 35% increase in performance compared to their competitors. Watershed sees itself as an enabler of creativity, and though it may be based in Bristol, it understands its place in the world. The team even ran an initiative recently called Creative Producer International. It's really important to us that we, we kind of think of ourselves as locally rooted but globally connected. So a lot of our programmes look to connect outwards from Bristol to a community that is spread out around the world who is kind of shares the same values as us. So Creative Producers International was a three-year programme. It was funded by Arts Council Ambition for Excellence. And it brought together a cohort of producers who were based in cities across the world on every continent to share practice, to share ideas, to develop work in their own cities and share that work across cities. So it took place partly in person. So we had um, labs where everybody came together in Bristol and in Tokyo. And then we had online labs. And this was pre-pandemic as well. So it was really good because it set us in quite good stead for being able to be really responsive when the pandemic hit because we'd done a lot of this work already. So we, yeah, we had online labs where people would come together to think and make things across time zones. So the aim of that programme was to really develop a network of producers across the globe, help them develop their own practice and help them to kind of kickstart activity and thinking and energy in their cities around play and, you know, imagination. I read the report that you published, which is on the website, and I'd encourage people to take a look at it. There is one quote in particular from one participant who said, and I think it was a female, she said, I feel less on my own 
as a, unquote, as a result of, of this particular program. And that's really the key, isn't it? Is that this is a very large, can be a very lonely industry space in which to navigate. And if you can shrink the industry by introducing people to similar like-minded creatives, I think it really, really does help. Could I ask you one further question? You mentioned the, the pandemic and everyone would wish that we could get back to normal as soon as possible, whatever normal means. When you think about Watershed and you think about the things like the residency program and the future, what hopes do you have for what this might become? You've already helped so many people. Do you have plans to, to go even bigger? Because what you're talking about is this notion of think global, act local, which I think is a very, very, very healthy way to look at anything is that, yes, you are based in a community, but your your ambition, your aspiration is truly international and truly global. When you step back, Victoria, if you ever have the time to do so, what hopes do you have for what this might become in the future? Watershed is 40 this year. So actually this year we are taking the time to reflect on actually what we've learned from those 40 years which obviously includes the pandemic but you know we had a lot of years before that as well so we're going to be running lots of really great kind of activities and events through the year where we're really chatting with people that we work with about you know how they see us what they need what the future they think the future holds for them so we're really going to be looking at what the next 40 years might hold for us. I mean, I think from a personal perspective, I absolutely think it's so important for creative practitioners to have time and space to kind of step outside that every day, to connect with other people who are also working like within a creative sphere, but also outside of that. And I really think it's important for people to be able to connect with people locally, but also that global community. We are global citizens. The world is becoming more and more interconnected and we can't ignore the fact that things that we might do here in Bristol in the UK will have impact on people elsewhere in the world. So I think it's really important that the programmes that we run think about a hopeful future. How can we work together to make the future a better place for everybody. It sounds like a bit of a pipe dream, but, you know, if, if we can think about, you know, how we can be more sustainable, how we can use creative practice to, to get people to look at things a bit differently, um, how we can get people to think outside of their everyday, you know, to think about the, the wider context of how we operate as society and, and as human beings and, and how we behave with each other. There is a chance that we can work towards a better world. Oh, absolutely. I'm t that's a great answer. Thank you. I just wondered if I could add, uh, Creative Producers International, it was framed around the notion of playable cities, which is a kind of project or an idea that we've run for a number of years, which is thinking about the smart city, but thinking about it not in terms of just, you know, how 
it might be portrayed in films like Minority Report, where you've just got kind of media coming at you from every angle. And I guess that kind of dystopian nature of surveillance that we we often think about when we think about the smart city, but how we can kind of reappropriate those technologies to create playful human spaces that kind of start conversations and, and make cities better places for the people that reside in them. So a lot of the work that we did through Creative Producers International was really looking at the notion of playable cities and how that could work in different contexts around the world and the different responses to to that idea. You know, how do we create playful experiences in public space across the globe for people to connect with? Well, we wish you well, not just with the residency program, but with everything that Watershed, uh, that you and the team are trying to achieve. It's a hugely important part of our creative history. Congratulations and happy anniversary for your um, for your 40th. We wish you many, many years of success to come. It's been an absolute pleasure. Victoria Tillotson, thank you. Thank you. Conclusion, a massive thank you then to Victoria Tillotson for today's episode and to recap what have we learned? To be innovative and impactful doesn't mean completely reinventing the wheel. You don't need to step entirely outside the bounds of reality. Turning a prosthetic limb into Iron Man's arm, for instance. It sounds simple, but it has the potential to bring real joy into a person's life. Be unique. Think of your audience first and foremost and consider the positive change you could make. Think global act local in this increasingly interconnected world. What we do locally can have tremendous impact on a global scale for good and for bad. Your story can have both a local setting and a globally relevant message. And finally, connections can be found everywhere. Who knew that hydroponics could influence poetry? Who would ever have imagined you could program a robot to belly dance? There will always be fears of technology stripping away our creativity, but I don't see it that way. In fact, technology can help you tap into boundless creativity if you let it. Thanks for listening. I'm Mark Haywood. Let me know what lesson you've taken away from this week's episode by sending an email to info at behindthespine.co.uk. We're also on Twitter and Facebook as at Behind the Spine and Instagram as at Behind the Spine Podcast. Goodbye for now. Stay safe and keep writing. This podcast is produced by OG Podcasts. Find out more at ogpodcasts.co.uk. 